I'm glad you're here this morning, and I think the Lord has some cool things in, in store for us all. I, uh, I do get to travel. I'm leaving in about a week and a half for a two-week tour of the UK. Why go there? Because everything sounds better with an English accent. It's true. And I just love to go and hear them say, hello, hello, cheerio, mate. Anyway, so I, I dig it. Actually, the fish and chips is better than here. But more than that, um, I go to the UK because it's not easy to preach the gospel there. But it reminds me of how important and how big the gospel is. I was there last February. I go every year about this time. We were in Newcastle. I go with a couple of bands and we travel around. We do school assemblies during the day. We do concerts at night. And we just try to share Jesus with people who want to listen. So we're in Newcastle, first night of the tour last February, and the concert's kind of rowdy. The band's not playing like metal or anything, but there's a mosh pit right in the middle, and I'm going to get up to preach right after the next song. So there's a huge mosh pit, and this one guy who's taller and a little wider than the rest of them, he's in the middle making all this noise, and I'm like, great, this is going to be horrible. I get up, and thankfully it got quiet, and people did listen. At the end, we invited people to respond to Jesus Christ. And after talking for just like maybe 20 minutes or so, um, I invited students. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, I want you to be bold. I want you to raise up your hand. Let everybody know you want to follow this Jesus. And a bunch of students did, which didn't surprise me. But this, the guy, the big guy that was moshing, he's like waving his hands and pointing his finger at his hand. And I don't, I don't get it. He's trying to say, recognize me. I'm raising my hand. I'm thinking he's making a joke. So we end, and I say, if you want to know more about this, go to the side room with me, and I want to talk with you, pray with you. And this guy, Sam, is one of the first guys to go out, and, and he wanted to speak with me. There was a bunch of Christians to speak with different people. And so we sat down, and you know, sometimes looks can be deceiving. I thought, mosh pit, punk, going to mess up my whole event. Well, actually, Sam is 20 years old, and when he was 16, his mom and dad both died in a tragic car accident. And so he went to the foster system. His younger brothers went to a different house. And he was 18 years old. I asked him, why did you show up? He's like, what, two years ago when I was 18, I found out that my younger brothers were in a bad foster situation, but I couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't get custody. And so he cried out and he said, God, if you're there, will you get my brothers out of this mess? Within two weeks, his brothers were put under the care of their grandparents. And so he said... For the first time, I, I believe there's a God. But for two years, he didn't know who this God was. So he was at a coffee shop. Some students who were part of the church hosting this outreach, they invited Sam to come to the concert. He didn't know it was a Christian gig. He didn't know some New York preacher, whatever, was going to stand up. But in 20 minutes after the music and the message, his whole life changed. I introduced him to the pastor who hosted it at the end. He shared his testimony. And this, this young man was converted to Jesus like that. Uh, now, what does that have to do with you and with me? Everything. Because I have had the chance to travel 20 plus countries, spoken to a couple of million people in the last 17 years, and I am convinced of this. I don't know what I'm doing, but people come to Jesus. I don't know how it works. I don't I don't understand how someone could come into a club, mosh, listen to a band, hear a preacher, and become a Christian. But the more and more that I share the gospel, the more and more I'm convinced God just saves people. And this morning, if you have ever wanted to be involved in this thing called mission, if you want people to really know the Jesus that you know, 
but you feel slightly inadequate and like, I don't know, maybe that's Stan, maybe that's a preacher guy, but that's not me. I want us to read Mark chapter 4 because I think it's going to blow our misconceptions about what it means to be about sharing the good news of Jesus. We're in the red letters, as Stan has been, and we're going to read from Mark chapter 4, verse 26 is where we're going to pick up um, in Jesus' words. Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattered seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and it grows though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Now this is one of these parables. Parables are simply earthly or regular illustrations that Jesus uses to share of a spiritual or a more profound Truth, this is one of Jesus' many parables. He taught in parables all the time. I think it's because it's hard for us to get God and how it works. But sometimes a picture, how many of you are visual learners? I'm a visual learner. I need to see it. I need to watch a video. I need like a visual illustration. That's how I think. And Jesus knew that. So he talks about farming to farmers. He talks about sheep to shepherds. He talks about construction type stuff, building a house to carpenters. So he's ordinary language, but he's really talking about a more profound truth. And that's what we see now. This is only shared once. We only see this parable once. The other parable of seeds, the one that you're used to, is what some call the parable of the sower. I think the better word is the parable of the soils. Go back to the beginning of Mark chapter 4, because Jesus, I think, my opinion, he gives two different parables to give us two ends of the same message. And this will make sense. Uh, uh, chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 3. Jesus is teaching people by the shore. And in verse 3 it says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Now other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. Now it came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And so this is the one we're used to. Uh, we know there's four different kinds of soils. Same seed goes out. It lands in different places. And in the lives of people, the same seed goes into all four soils. And if you read a little further in Mark, Jesus is very clear about this. The seed is the word of God and the soil is the lives of the people that are with them. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to see the contrast uh, in both of the parables, the same thing happens. The farmer goes out to sow seed. So look back at verse 26, and now let's look at it line by line, because uh, there's some differences and some similarities. Verse 26, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So Jesus wants us to know what's the kingdom of God. Big story there, the Bible's full of what that means, but for us this morning, it's as simple as this. Where God rules and where God reigns in the lives of his people. So if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you choose to follow Jesus, what you're choosing to say is right now everyone's created by God. Would you agree? 
Everyone was created in the image and likeness of God. Is everyone following God? No. The answer is, I don't know. The answer is no. Not everyone's following Jesus. Not everyone's following God. When you choose to follow Jesus, you're a part of his family. Another word is, you're a part of his kingdom. He rules and reigns. And he oversees the earth. One day, he's going to rule and reign here on earth. But until then, we're a part of his family, his kingdom. So how do people get into that family? And this is what Jesus is saying. This is what the kingdom of God, how to get in, is like. A man scattered seed on the ground. So you've got three things at work here. You've got a man or a farmer. And a farmer simply throws, or I, I like, like it better, it just sounds more hip. He chucks seed. He, he goes out. Now, now, I'm not, I mean, I was born in Brooklyn. I know nothing about agriculture. We go to the supermarket to get food. I mean, I don't go to, you know, farms or anything like that. But I can visualize Jesus talking to those who scatter seed. You till the soil and you throw a lot. Now, if you're a farmer, do you expect every seed to produce something? I think the answer is no. I think all of us know, like the parable of soils, sometimes we throw things out there and it doesn't seem to produce anything. So Jesus says, the job of the man is to scatter. That's what we do. Um, some of us, when we think it comes to helping people follow Jesus or share our faith or evangelize or be on mission, whatever phrase you want to use and you feel more comfortable with, we think that the pressure's on us because it's all about us. And if it's not for me, someone's not going to become a follower of Jesus. Well, Jesus says it differently. Uh, a man scatters seeds on the ground. Night or, night or day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Okay, so how smart or how intelligent is this seed chucker, this farmer, this man? Uh, as a matter of fact, if you keep reading here, it says... Uh, 28, all by itself, the soil produces grain. This guy does not know how it works. Now, we are in like modern day enlightenment. We understand photosynthesis if we studied when we were in the fifth grade or whatever. We understand like scientifically how crops grow. And we, you know, farmers today use GPS and soil testing and all of that to maximize their land. We're high tech. This is first century. Farmer goes out, throws seed. He goes to bed. He wakes up. Ooh, it starts to grow. And that, that's really cool. As a matter of fact, in Israel, they had no control. They had no irrig little ir irrigation. They were dependent on God for rain. They didn't know if it was going to grow at all. And so you're living in dependency that when I do what I can do, right, the seed will go into the ground. He goes to bed. He wakes up. And all by itself, that's the key phrase, the seed grows. What is God saying. He's saying when it comes to how God's kingdom, God's rule, God's leadership in the lives of people spreads, how does anyone become a Christian? It's really someone sowed the seed, but without them knowing how it works, today you are hearing the Bible. You're hearing the Word of God. Uh, in Mark chapter 4, it clearly says the seed is the Word of God. How is that going to change your life? This is the weird thing about preaching, teaching, or simply sharing the Bible. You hear a verse of the Bible spoken by a human being through a little audio system. It gets into your brain somehow by the Holy Spirit. It resonates in your mind. This is true. And you will live differently one week from now because of hearing words. That is wacko. But it's true. Have, it, have you ever gone to church 
gone to a Bible study and something's like, wow, like, I get it. And suddenly your behavior changes, your attitude changes, your outlook changes because someone wrote a book. That's how the kingdom grows. The seed is the word of God. We don't know exactly how it produces something, but it does produce something. Verse 28, all by itself, the, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the kernel. So little by little, this one thing is transformed. One small thing goes in the ground. It changes. We know uh, John, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 12, he says, uh, he says, unless a kernel of seed goes in the ground and dies, it'll just remain one seed. But if it goes into the ground, it will produce more seed. And so Jesus, when speaking of his death, uses the same metaphor to explain to us how amazing God is and how he works. Jesus, like a seed, goes into the ground. He predicts his death. He goes in and he rises again. And because he rises again, now you and I can be a part of his family. And in a real sense, God can produce fruitfulness in us. One seed dies, Jesus. He rises again. And now we're a part of the crop, the harvest of people who are being transformed by God. What I want to say here is this. We need to return to a bit of the mystery of what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. There's a mystery to this. We can't exactly scientifically prove how it happens, but we do know that when God gets his word out, it changes people. Now, a couple of things here that we need to know. First thought, it is not about the, uh, it's about the seed, not about the farmer. And this is huge. How does the kingdom of God grow? How can you be useful to God, whether you're a mom or you're a student, whether you're a brand new follower of Jesus, or you've been around for like 30 years, you memorize the New Testament backwards, like you get the whole thing down. Um, you know, how, how can you be useful? It is about the seed, not the farmer. Remember in the story, Jesus is saying, farmer goes to bed, doesn't know how it works, it grows. There's something about the seed that has power. And what Jesus wants us to remember is that there are three things at work. There is a farmer, there's a man or a woman, that's us. Now there is seed, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the word of God. Jesus is clearly saying all throughout Mark 4, it's the word of God that goes into the lives of people. That's the ground. So the soil, so you got three things at work always. There's you and me, there's God and his word, and then there's the lives of other people. And the main character in this story, even more than the first parable of the soil, of uh, the soils, is it's the seed that makes the difference. Now, what is what is Jesus saying here? Somehow, even in in humanity, in human nature, in the in the earth that God's created, He's implanted this idea. Since the beginning of time, most of what we see started as something small. Uh, every tree started as a seed. Most of the things that we have eaten, the fruits, the vegetables, it started as a seed. God created the earth this way. And in a very real sense, that's how he spreads his kingdom. You and I do something that seems insignificant. We chuck things. 
We share, we share the gospel. We, we tune someone into a Christian song that we really enjoy that has a message. We share our faith with someone. We invite someone to church. We invite them to a life group. Uh, you share a podcast or you watch a video. You, you and I get the word of God and we hear it and then we just like share it. And what, just like, like a little tree goes into the ground and you don't see anything happen. Time goes by. That little seed dies. But later on, what's hard for us to make the connection on, and this is where the mystery comes in, what, what we did to just share God's word little by little, it somehow goes into the ear and into the soul and into the mind of someone else. And it could be nine months. Could be six months, could be five years, could be 20 years later, that produces something that's life transforming. And I'm just here to remind you as a community of people that love Jesus and are all about the gospel, we need to re embrace that every single one of us is in this story. We are the farmer. And it's not our responsibility to convince anyone that they should become a Christian. That's actually God's work. And it's not our responsibility to make sure that everything is done. We're not that good. You don't understand all that's going on in the life of someone else that doesn't know Jesus. But I can do something. I think some of us have been discouraged because we've tried to share our faith and nothing happened. And Jesus says, it's not about you. The pressure's not on you. Our privilege, our responsibility is simply to chuck it. Get it out there. And you don't even have to know how it works. You don't have to know how God's going to connect the dots. You don't have to mark the calendar and say, I shared with them six months ago, but I don't see anything going on. God is producing something. He's taking that seed. He's doing something in their life. Eventually, Jesus says, you get to do two things. You get to chuck the seed. The second thing that you do is at the end of this little parable, verse 29. Our job, throw it. Share it. Get it out there. Any which way we can, just get it out there. And the second job that we have is, uh, verse 29, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harv harvest time has come. So the first thing, it's about the seed uh, and it's, it's not about the farmer. The second thing, our job is to let go of the seed. That's to release it, share the gospel, communicate something about Jesus with someone we know, and then we pick it up. That's our are two responsibilities. And you know, I think in America, sometimes we make things way more complicated. I go to many parts of the world where the gospel is spreading like wildfire. And uh, Uganda is one of those places I go two or three, sometimes four times a year. And with no money, absolutely no money, few buildings, little resources, brothers and sisters like us, Christians, don't wait for their pastor to share the gospel. But whether it's at a little bus stop, whether it's at a coffee shop, believers in Jesus share the gospel with people. And with little resources, little technology, many things that we enjoy, people are coming to Jesus left and right. Why? It's because it's a volume issue. It's a numbers game, so to speak. Now, I'm not a salesman, but I will tell you this. A farmer who sows more seed will reap more. I mean... You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a statistician, a genius to realize if we're not seeing lots of fruit, right? If we're not seeing lots of result, it could be that we're just not sowing seed. See, in America, we expect, you know, stick something in the microwave 30 seconds later and enjoy. 
But Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. You keep throwing seed out there. Just keep throwing seed out there. In time, the more seed that we throw, the more that we share, in time God will produce a harvest. And that's just the way it works, brothers and sisters. Um, I've got a little visual for you because sometimes it helps to, to, to use visuals. I've got seed here. Now this is the American dream. Uh, seed in most places around the world will be in a bag. We could buy it at, at a Home Depot uh, for $1.99. You can get veggie tail seed. This is pathetic. This is the world that we live in. Everything is marketed, even, even peas, you know. And, and seed is as simple as this. What we want to do is a visualization. What we want to do is in America, we want, we want the packaging to impress, right? But what would happen if I took this package? This package will represent, you know, Christianity, right? Come to church, do all this. What would happen if I took the package and said, said put this in the ground, put it two or three feet under the ground. Would this produce anything? No, you got to get it out of the package, right? And you got to get it into your hand and the seed itself. Some of us think, well, you know, if we just had more smoke or just more lights or just more buildings, all of these are great tools, but we got to return to the simplicity. It's the Word of God. The power is not in the personality. It's not me. It's not in Pastor Stan. It's not in some, it's not in a program. If we just can do it this way, well, programs help, and man, people help. It is about the seed. If we will actually believe that when we share the Word of God, it has power, then we'll share the Word of God. And the Word of God alone will change a life. I can't convince someone to become a Christian, but this Word is convincing all by itself. And so my responsibility, my privilege, is just to get the Word of God out there. I had a chance to be in a conference couple of years ago, and uh, with a guy named Cliff Barrows, uh, Billy Graham, ever hear the guy? Yeah, okay. Billy Graham's spoken to 2.2 billion people in his lifetime through TV, radio, and live. Live to some like 220 million people, but 2.2 billion. And I was in a conference, and Cliff Barrows was sharing with this group of pastors and leaders about the secret behind Billy Graham. And he shared a couple of the secrets of his life, personal holiness, all that. But he got to this section where he was talking about how Billy Graham believed the Word of God. And part of his conviction was not that people would become a Christian because he was Billy Graham, but he believed that the Word of God has power. Now at this conference, uh, Chris, Cliff Barrows is 87 years old. He's totally blind functionally. He has macular degeneration, which means he could see blurry, but he can't read anymore. And he's appealing to us, brothers and sisters, to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Imagine if you couldn't see anymore and you couldn't read the Bible. And that's what Cliff Barrows, I, I got this little audio clip. It's just about a minute long, but I want you to hear it in his own words. For the Lord, a passion for his word. I thank God for this book. I wish I could read it. How many times I've laid there with my precious wife and I've said, honey, read so-and-so. And she'd read to me. I want to read it. You read it while you've got eyesight to read it. Memorize it while you've got a mind. I thank God for every verse I wish I'd have memorized 
thousands more. We've got guys in our organization, Clem knows them, Charlie Riggs, others who know the word of God for memory. And when you can't read it, you can get off alone and say, Lord, apply this verse to my heart today. Meditate upon it. Hide it in your heart. Read it while you can. Um, Cliff Barrows, sitting in a hydraulic chair because he could barely stand, which kept going up and down. The poor guy, he'd be talking and suddenly sinking behind us, and then his hydraulic chair would pop up. He spoke to us for 45 minutes and quoted verse after verse after verse after verse after verse with no Bible, no notes. It's just in his heart. For more than 50 years, he's traveled the world with Billy Graham, and even though they had big staff, big budget, big events, Cliff and Bev Shea and Billy Graham, they just believe in the word of God. And do you believe in the word of God? Do you hide it in your heart? Do you believe that the Bible has power to not just change you, but to change anyone? Do you believe that as we share the word of God, it will make a difference in the lives of other people? I think sometimes we don't share what we believe because we really don't believe it. We're not convinced ourselves. When I was a little kid, I became convinced that small things have a lot of power. Um, we were small growing up in Brooklyn. We played with firecrackers a bunch. But there were these little ones called ladyfingers. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Super small, and they, they still pack a punch, but they're really tiny. So 4th of July, we would play this game, who could light a ladyfinger and wait the longest for the wick to go down and then throw it? And the goal was like to get it to blow up right outside your hand. We were dumb. And, and so, so, so the goal was like, wait the longest. So I'm like, okay, someone did it. It was like, wow, close. So I light it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. The wick's going down. Da, 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 da. Boom! Right in my hand. This little thing called a ladyfinger made my, it was like a catcher's mitt. My little tiny little hand went, woo! And I ran home like clutching my big old clumsy hand because it like puffed up like, like marshmallows. And I'm like, mom, mom, mom. My mom's like, what did you do? I'm like, the ladyfinger! Little thing, totally explosive. Uh, don't be a don't be a fool. Don't light a ladyfinger in your hand. But, but that small thing packed a big punch. It made a big difference. And sometimes we forget one little seed of the word of God can totally change a life. Someone could hear one Bible verse, one testimony, one story of your life changed, and it could totally explode on the inside of them. Do we believe it? If we believe it, then we'll just be like the farmer and we'll chuck seed. I think of Jana. Jenna, she's a part of the same church that I'm a part of. She went to us with, uh, with us to Uganda just a couple of, uh, actually last summer. And Jenna, she, uh, uh, she's a Starbucks manager, and she wasn't a follower of Jesus, group in a Mormon environment, but was an, a total alcoholic, married an alcoholic, and was a total mess of a situation. And she had the Starbucks supervisor over all the managers, who's a Christian. And this manager, um, the supervisor, would invite Jenna to church every week. And for more than a year, she would chuck seed. On, Monday, on Saturdays, she would invite her to church. Then Mondays, because Jenna would say no, they'd talk about, what did you do over the weekend? And this manager, the supervisor friend would say, well, I went to church, and this is what I learned. She just 
She sowed seed. Now they work together. Is that appropriate to talk to someone in the workplace about faith? I'd say, unless they're going to fire you on the spot, the, the answer is absolutely yes. She just framed it in, what did you do this weekend? She sowed little seeds. Didn't force her to go to church, but invited her every week. Well, God, because he's good, started to plant other seed in her life. Other Starbucks employees were hired who were followers of Jesus. And so they would come and live like Christians. And Jana said after the fact, she couldn't pinpoint it exactly, but she noticed a difference in her employees that were Christians than those that weren't. You mean you could live the Christian life and that's sowing seed? Absolutely. So these Christians were honest. These Christians, when they made a mistake, they would fess up and say, I'm sorry, and try to change it. So she was hearing from her supervisor come to church. She was seeing Christianity lived out in the employees that she was over who made a difference. Well, finally, one Saturday, her manager, again, invited her to church. She's like, all right, I'll go. Once. Then don't invite me anymore. And then Jenna showed up at church, sat right in the middle, and the, the pastor was preaching, and she said she couldn't help it, but she started leaning forward in her chair. Like, wow. So, because her friend was sitting next to her, she would kind of sit back and like, you know, play cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not listening. But then she was, just, she was just attracted. She didn't know the Bible. She didn't know Jesus. But hearing the very word of God, even though she didn't understand it all, she was starting to get that seed into the soil of her life. Well, she went to church. Afterwards, her friend said, what did you think? She said, it was, it was all right. She was like, I'd like to come again. Really? Okay. So she came the next Sunday, and she came the next Sunday, and she came the next Sunday. She started making, coming to church and hearing the word. She didn't own a Bible. She didn't read the Bible. But she was hearing it, and it was going into her soul. Finally, her supervisor friend couldn't go to church one weekend, and Jenna came up with this great idea. I can go to church by myself. So she went, she's like, this is really weird. She went and sat down by herself. And then after a year of this, I happened to be preaching uh, after a year of her going to church. At the end of the message, I didn't even have a big invitation or anything. At the end of the message, she went to the pastor who she had heard, first heard the Bible from and went to his office and said, I believe it. Like, what? I believe it. I'm a Christian. The seed of the Word of God had been slowly growing, growing, growing. First the stalk, then the little head, then the kernel in the head. And she became a follower of Jesus that day. Two years later, she's with me in Uganda, and she's going into schools, into the marketplace, at big events that we're holding, and she's sharing her story. I didn't know Jesus Christ. I was an alcoholic. I was totally addicted. And I became a follower of Jesus. And over time, Jesus has set me free. And there she is, this new believer in Jesus. And she's chucking the word of God. And then we went to this hospital. And in this hospital, uh, we went, some of us, to the mental ward. And I didn't know this. But previous to coming to Jesus, she had checked herself in to, to the mental hospital because she was quasi-suicidal because of all of her addictive behavior. And so we went to this mental ward and we started praying for all these people. Some of them were totally out of their mind. And we began praying bedside by bedside. And there was Jenna on the other side of the room praying for them. And she came out and started to bawl like a baby. And I was like, whoa, what happened? And so we went back to the bus and she shared, that was me a couple years ago. I was there. And she realized now how God had totally changed her life. And, and we ought to never underestimate the power of the farmer, the power of you and I to share the word of God. I thank God for the Starbucks supervisor who saw herself not just as an employee, but a missionary. 
And wherever she worked, she wanted to get the word of God out. I thank God for pastors who preach. I thank God for people in a Christian, uh, in a non-Christian environment who act like Christians. All of us have a chance to sow seed. The question is, do we believe it enough to do anything about it? And so just like, just like in the story, all of us, we've got seed. Now the question is, if, if this is the word of God, right? And that's what the Bible says, seed is the word of God. What do we need to do? We need to get it out of the packaging. We've got to make it more about just coming to church. Because some of us are content to have the word of God and to take the word of God and to enjoy the word of God. Nothing wrong with that. This will change you. You saturate your life in the Bible and it will totally change your life. But we need to remember that our responsibility, our privilege is to take it and receive it and then give it away. And the more I give away, the more God can take that little thing. This is a tiny, what is this? This is, uh, this is, this is a pea seed. It's so tiny. You put this in the right soil and it will grow up and produce a much larger crop. If you do one thing in the name of Jesus, just one, maybe you don't know the whole Bible, maybe you're scared, maybe you're afraid someone's going to ask you questions. Share one thing about what you know. Just get, just get it out there. I just ruined your basketball floor. Yeah, just, just, just share one thing. And then, and then, and as you gain confidence, just share it, just share it a little bit more. And you realize all the farmer's supposed to do is just chuck seed. All you do is take what's in your hand. And, and if you realize it, the farmer doesn't know where it goes. The farmer isn't concerned, like, I wonder if he's going to receive it. You just get it out there. And you just chuck it. And you never know. You could become, I'm so sorry. Look. I have insurance. I do have insurance. If you've been injured, fill out a form at the end, and I'll give it to Brotherhood Mutual, and they'll, they'll lay a claim if I injured you. Here's the point. I don't know. I don't know where any of that went. And if it went in your eye, I'm so sorry. I really am. I don't know where it went. But it hit someone, and hopefully gave no one a welt, but it, 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 it hit somewhere. And if this were ground... I could come back later and find something. You ever try to like manage your lawn and your lawn's messed up, but the cracks between your cement grow grass? That ever happened to you? You try to make the lawn great, you work on that, but the grass seems to grow in between the cracks when no one told it to grow there. Power of a seed busts through cement. In the same way, our God is full of power. And he's given it to you. And I would encourage you, the greatest thing you and I could do this week is chuck seed. Whatever you know, vocalize it. Share it. I'm gonna ask you to do that right now because some of us think, well, I don't know what to do with this. How many of you have a cell phone and, and you brought it to church? Sinner. I know, I'm just kidding. All right. Anyway, this is a joke. No, 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 no. I got mine. It's with me. Your Bible's on it. This is totally cool. All right. I want you to take it out. This is the one chance, one, you get to use it in church. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to invite all of us to chuck a seed. We could do it through technology. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray in a moment. We're going to ask God because we want to get something to someone. It's about people who know Jesus sharing something. I'm going to invite you in a moment, not yet, to look on your contact list. You may have someone on your contact list. They may be a struggling believer 
who needs to be encouraged with the Word of God. They may not yet be a believer, a friend, or someone you go to school with, or someone in your neighborhood, uh, a babysitter that takes care of your kids, someone out there. What we're going to do is we're going to ask God to help us chuck seed. And in a moment, most of us text, some of us haven't figured out that's the only way to communicate these days. But, but for, for some of us, we're going to take our phone out and we're going to chuck a seed. In a moment after we pray, we're going to look down our contact list and say, God, I want to share something with someone. And I'm going to invite you to text someone right now in church and simply say this. Was thinking about you this morning, which is true because you, you scroll down the list. Hey, when can we get together? That's all you have to say. I'm not saying, quote, John 3.16, cut, paste, and put it in there. If you want to do that, that's great. I'm simply saying, open the door to get a seat in. And I'm going to invite you to text someone. And then as you go out, there's your opportunity because they're going to text you back. Let's connect tomorrow. That's your opportunity to share one thing. And you could say, well, why do you want to get together? Some crazy guy threw a pee and it hit me in the head. And it made me think of you. I don't know how you're going to do it. But you know what? Today... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of seed could be sown, starting with a text. The farmer went out and sowed seed. Are you scared? I hope so. <laughs> it's kind of scary to get out of our comfort zone. But if we believe that God has the power, we don't have to worry about it. All right, let's pray. Then we're going to look at our contact list and we're going to text someone. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for things like technology, that your word can go out on the internet it could go out through TV, through radio, even through text message. You can open the door. Lord, we're going to pray for ourselves right now. We're asking you to lead us. The farmer went out to sow. We don't know who to text. Will you guide us, Holy Spirit, as to who to text right now? Who do you want us to connect with this week? Who do you want us to show your love to? Who do you want us to communicate something about you to them? God, will you just show us where to sow the seed? And as we take a step of faith, we're asking you and inviting you, Holy Spirit of God, give us the power to be a witness for you. We're asking that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take out your phone quickly, quickly. Go down your contact list. Or some of you who are so scared you could fake it. <laughs> And text your friend, dude, this guy's wacko. But I'm going to ask you to do it. Step of faith. If you will take a step of faith right now and text someone thinking of you, let's grab coffee, thinking of you, when can we connect? You never know who God's going to put you in touch with. You never know what's going to happen when you check that seed. I'm going to be silent for a moment. I've got a cousin who's not walking with Jesus and I'm going to text him while you text your friend. Could be as simple as less chat. That's all I'm going to do. Less chat. Some of you still working, you, you take your time. You text them. If not, why don't you keep your eyes closed and pray for your friend who may be texting the next person to come to the kingdom of God. <laughs> you never know. Lord Jesus, we pray, even as we use technology, we use these little texts to open up doors of conversation, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to work through that. Lord, I pray that as they receive it and people look at their phone, they'll want to connect 
And God, you'll give us the right word to say at the right time with the right people.